Welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm John Sierra Reinecker, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today, we're talking with entertainment attorney Amy Arefa. Welcome. Thank you for having me, John <laughs> I am so excited that you're here. Thank you're you. part of our Women in Music series, so lots to talk about. Thank you. I'm honored that you'll have me. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> so let's start here. What are your responsibilities as an entertainment attorney and what's your day-to-day like? Awesome, right? Often in this industry, we always hear the day-to-day and all of us laugh to ourselves because no two days look the same, right? Right. (laughs) But as far as the day-to-day, it consists of with my clients who are music, um, digital content creators, um, music producers, artists. It can consist of anything from negotiating a recording agreement, a publishing agreement, an endorsement deal. just runs the gamut. So I often serve as general counsel for a lot of my clients with their business matters and affairs. And I handle, you know, the piece of the pie in entertainment, negotiating the deals, um, protecting their intellectual property. That's trade names, um, business names, making sure that when they're going in a contract, that's another way to leverage more income and assets and owning intellectual property rights. And then if there are other business affairs that, you know, a lot of these genius individuals have other business ventures as well, bringing the right attorneys on board to assist with that and overseeing those matters. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) A whole lot. (laughs) So what do you enjoy most about being an entertainment attorney? Oh my gosh. I enjoy the creativity, um, the uh, bond that you establish with your clients. Um, you know, you're dealing with quite a bit of intimate in- information and you see a lot of things. So you grow close to a lot of these people. So I enjoy and I'm honored of the level of trust that's imparted on my end. So I t- totally enjoy building the relationship with the clients. Awesome. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what inspired you to pursue a career in entertainment law and how did you get your start in the industry? Okay, so I was inspired as a kid. Um, I was a lover of music. And I did not receive the gift of music <laughs> to be able to sing. So my um, art choice was dance. Um, so I was a dancer, as I like to say, my former life. And yeah. I was always drawn to dance by music because I've loved music since, you know, I was in the womb. I knew these records. My, my family always calls me an old soul. I'm five, six years old singing these, you know, Marvin Gaye records, everything from Fela Kuti, like my, the musical palette that my parents um, introduced my siblings and I to were valuable. So I was a lover of music. And because, like I said, I, I did not have the gift of singing, <laughs> I was drawn to another art form, which was dance, because I obviously, no dancer can dance without the muse of music. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I want to go back to the dancer yeah. part. <laughs> so, okay, you were dancing. Were you doing all kinds of dance, a specific type of dance? What type of dancing were you doing? So it was modern dance. Um, and then also, my family's from Nigeria, so African dance um, is And as I often like to say, in my DNA. So I did that as well. And then only ballet for training. So, you know, shout out to all the ballerinas because it's, you know, intense. Um, But (laughs) as far as a dancer, you have to work on lines. And um, that's what ballet does. It teaches you technique. So did ballet just for technique, but modern and African dance for the dance. So what happened with that? (laughs) Now, this I'm so intrigued by this. So what happened with that? Like, why did you decide to... You know, not pursue that lane. Absolutely. Um, I like to tell the story. When I was um, going from high school, graduating from high school to college, I pursued a couple of dance programs because I said, okay, listen, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but as an artist, especially as an artist in the physical form with dance, you have a window of time, right, where your body is going to do what it's going to do. So I tried out a few programs. I was like, if I get in, I'm going to do this, and I'll go to law school later. And 
at 18, I wish I knew then what I knew now. Um, I didn't get into a couple of programs. I was like, oh, I guess, you know, I would have tried a little harder. Um, <laughs> but that is when I still, in undergrad, I still was a part of like a traveling dance group. Yeah. But then I said, okay, if I'm not going to pursue this professionally, I have to be, I not need, I have to be. Um, working with creative talent. So that being an entertainment attorney was very intentional. I didn't stumble upon it. It was, I was once a creative. Um, It's so funny. A lot of my clients don't know that. Um, That that I was a dancer. I danced for 16 years. And then I, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then I did not pursue it professionally, which means I had to be around to shape, mold, and help empower, you know, the artists that I work with. I need it for myself. That's how I'm able to be creative. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So shifting gears, what are some common traits among your most successful clients which music creators should adopt? Mm. All of my successful clients, they all um, invested in themselves. They bet on themselves. What does that look like? Um, they took time to build a team. And I know everybody's at different stages. I've worked with people from um, the beginning where I was the only person who, yeah. was, as far <laughs> as on the business end, was believing and riding for them to people who, you know, um, by the grace of God, have obtained quite a bit of success. But the common denominator, as you mentioned, John Sierra, like as you asked, is the fact that they all bet on themselves and invested in themselves the way they could at that point in their life or that stage in their lives. And then that set them apart because they knew that they were going where they, they they knew their intentions, they knew their goals, and they wanted it more than anybody. I'll often say if your team wants it more than you, you need to reassess and reevaluate. But they always had that goal, that passion, that drive, the commit to get to whatever, you know, the level of success was. Got it. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, these uh, clients of yours and how they invested in themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about okay. investment. What do you feel or what do you believe is the best investment that a music creator can make in their career? Oh, my gosh. Best investment is to build your brand. Know that everything you do is building a brand. Everything from a social media post to who you bring on your team to how you... I know this may sound like overkill for people, how you spend your money. You say you want to be viewed as a business in the entertainment industry. Where is your LLC or an incorporation for your... Rendering services as an, art, as an artist, treat yourself like a business. So no one's saying that you, you know, cannot splurge on things here and there, but set up your business entity, build your brand, build your company. So versus spending that money on something that may not be as, you know, beneficial down the road. So setting up a business entity, if it, a contract comes in place, are you retaining a lawyer and not trying to do it yourself? Right. Do you have a CPA when royalties start coming in? So that's what it looks like on, on a very basic level, just to give examples of what it means to invest in yourself instead of saying, oh, somebody handled this for me. You need to be a part of your business in every aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about when it is the right time Absolutely. for a music creator to seek your counsel. When Absolutely. would you say that time frame would be? I would always encourage music creators to start building relationships with entertainment attorneys, go to networking events. I know that doesn't always sound exciting, but start building these relationships. So when a deal comes, that's the, that is the um, trigger, the, the indicator when it's time to retain an entertainment attorney because it is dangerous. <laughs> I have to, I will use that word. It is dangerous to go into a deal without proper counsel because we are, are it's, it's proper business practice in general, but perception is key. If you come in with your attorney advocating for you, it shows that you have an advocate and a, fo- a solid foundation. So 
come in and play knowing these relationships and having these relationships, excuse me, instead of trying to scramble to find it, you already have one or two attorneys in mind. And then you could start, you know, doing a loose interview process or talk to them about who you want to move forward. But when a deal is on the table, that is the time that you'll move forward with an entertainment attorney. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about some common mistakes that you've seen music creators make in their career. And let's also talk about how aspiring music creators can avoid those mistakes. Common mistakes. Split sheets. Can I say that again? (laughs) Split sheets. Um, It is not having a conversation of ownership of a copyright. And copyright is key. That is a moneymaker. That is the moneymaker in music. Owning as much or all of your copyrights as possible. So that, to me, is the key mistake initially. Artists are not having those conversations or they want their manager or a lawyer to have it. That's fine. But eventually you need to be able to advocate for yourself and talk about whether you feel like you earn 40 percent of that song or you earn 25 percent of the song, depending on what you contribute. But being able to advocate for yourself. So that's something I see a running theme. You know, artists, sometimes it feels too confrontational for them to talk yeah. about splits. But you, a song cannot properly be distributed you know at, at TuneCore you all our hands are off but we don't have proper splits so I let people know the importance of getting your splits together treating yourself like a business as I mentioned and advocating for yourself so you shared a lot of insight on how music creators can really navigate and succeed in the business. So let's shift a little bit and talk about um, advice for music professionals. Mm. Those who aren't music creators like ourselves, yes. uh-huh. but are on the business side. So what advice do you have for music professionals on how to succeed in the industry? Um, this, I would say the same advice. Bet on yourself. Hustle. Build relationships. Networking does not stop because... You've you know acquired a couple of contacts and you're progressing in your career, but always, um, as I say, I'm in the business of collecting relationships. Always be willing and ready to build and network and be a resource to people. Let it not be a one-sided relationship. I think that's key for everyone, especially the professionals, because you're doing that and you're building trust and a network. So it's really being able, to, as I mentioned with artists and content creators, to bet on yourself and invest in yourself. And that may look different from them. For us, like I said, it's networking. It's being a resource or an asset in whatever room you're in. And people will figure out how to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, personally, I know you are an avid reader. You love, love, love to read. So are there any books that you would recommend to music creators to help them to learn more about the business and how to be successful? Yes. All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman. Um, I had mentors tell me when I read it several years ago, so I'm sure (laughs) they have many updated versions, but I read that as a legal intern in New York when I was hustling and grinding and trying to figure out how to get into this entertainment business. But he has several versions, updated versions. So all you need to know about the music business by Donald Passman, he breaks down all the roles of team, what an entertainment attorney does, um, what an agent does, what a music manager does, business manager. So it literally gives all sort of the secrets of the music industry. So Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that. (laughs) And the fact that there are updated versions. Exactly. (laughs) It's very important. Please do not get the first edition because (laughs) there has been so much more, especially... Um, with regards to streaming, absolutely, he has added so absolutely. much more, um, and it is really a great read. It's yes. it's almost like you know one of those how to for dummy yes, books, absolutely. but it's for specifically the music business. And like so. all of us in the music business have read it. Like yeah. all you, all of us, uh, my friends such as you, <laughs> all of us. Like I can attest without even asking. Like all of us in some capacity have read that book. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. the go to. Yes. So yes. <laughs> 
So let's talk for a moment about navigating the music industry as a woman. What challenges have you faced as a woman working in the music industry? Um, just to be frank, the fact that people don't think you should be in the room. Um, mm. Just to, you know, be transparent. I mean, you could feel that. Sometimes it says, sometimes it's unsaid, but you could feel the energy as, you know, why are you at the proverbial table? Yeah. Um, that is something I feel... It, could be a challenge for us as women. I won't defeat us, but it's something you know to navigate past. I don't want it. You know, it's it's, a, it's not a stumbling block. It's just something to you know reassess and reevaluate. But I often feeling like, why are you in the room? And they, that may not be questioned by our male counterparts. That's not a question yeah. that they have to encounter. Yeah. yeah. What advice do you have for women looking to pursue a career in the music industry? Oh, I would say. Um, Study the craft. That's any what women especially study the craft and um, brand building for us. I would even say is even more important because there's some sensitivities that we have to be careful of as women in the music industry that some men may or may not have to. Um, so just being very intentional about um, where the rooms you're in, the times you're in the rooms, things sensitivities like that that men are sort of like, oh, if I'll pop through, I'll do that. But just being, you know, in a, in a pure candid moment, just being cognizant of that, so that the respect will follow follow you everywhere you go, and it will be, um, you know, for your craft and because the work you've done, and undeniably so, you, it will be said that you belong in the room. Yeah. Mm. Shifting gears again, let's talk about the current state of music. What is your take on it? The current state, this always makes me smile because um, this has a lot to do with my upbringing. I'm first generation American. My family is from Nigeria. So the current state of music makes me happy. It is global. It's always yeah. been global. Um, but I feel like, specifically speaking in America, America's ear and palate is more digestible to global music. Yeah. So we know the um, the rise of Afrobeat, Afropop, Afrofusion. So I grew up with all of this, right? So it's <laughs> exciting to We're be We're late to the game in the U.S. <laughs> is what she's saying. <laughs> oh, John Sierra. You put it wink, so beautifully, wink. but so true. <laughs> wink, wink. And I'm saying this with all, like... It, it, it's all love, all love We right? are late. Yeah, because... <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's music yeah. it's world music yeah. so when people try to put things into genres and groups okay I get it but like people want different sounds so people yeah. are drawn to Afrobeat and Afropop because the up-tempo fusion it makes I've often heard people say it makes me feel happy yeah. Like we have so many things going on in the world right now you just want to turn on a song for three and a half minutes and right. forget like what it is because you're you know you're jamming you're yeah. bo tapping your foot bobbing your shoulders doing whatever that's what Afrobeat makes people yeah. so the state of the music um, music industry is global people are ready to hear world music yeah and I agree with mm -hmm. you you know funny enough I was in the car the other day and I was listening to um, the radio mm -hmm. and I heard uh, uh, the joint Joanna oh jo yeah jo and I was like <laughs> oh my god you would never hear ever, this ever you know like ever. I would say a year or two Absolutely. ago, you wouldn't hear this kind of record Absolutely. on radio. So it's such a, a great position Absolutely. that we're in. And I'd Absolutely. even say the same thing with regards to gospel on like yes. hip hop stations. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? And there has been so much... Um, evolution Absolutely. with hearing gospel Absolutely. combined with secular yes. music. Yes. Because years ago, I would say even... I would maybe... Probably maybe even 10 years ago, possibly... You know, you wouldn't really hear a Kirk Franklin song yes. after like a hip hop song. Absolutely. Now you can hear Migos yes. and then you'll hear a Kirk Franklin yeah. record on some of these stations. It's mm. like, wow, that's that amazing. represents who we are as music lovers, <laughs> yeah. right? We are not linear. 
Sometimes why? I want to hear some Kirk Franklin. Why? And then I want to two-step to yeah. some Migos or some trap music or whatever yeah. it is, right? And then I want an Afrobeat record. Right, right. <laughs> like, right. That's the mood I'm in. So radio is finally reflecting that for right. us and not so regional in our market. So, yeah, no, that's a great point, John. So that makes me excited. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you see the music industry heading in the next decade? The next decade, I see it opening, you know, the doors even more for different sounds, especially. Everybody looks to the American music market as the coup d'etat, the place to go, the, the, um, the light at the top of the hill, right? So the fact that we are... As Americans, we are digesting more makes the world excited because this has been happening everywhere right. else. They've been <laughs> listening to all this music. They're like, oh, America, I want to come because everybody wants to break a record here. So I see it continuing to grow, continuing to expand, and even more Americans getting into even more markets. I often tell a lot of content creators, go throughout the world. There's so much money to be made in right. other countries. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited and, and um, intrigued by where it's going to be in the next few years, yeah. the music market. And I'm glad that I feel like the U.S. is becoming more open yes. to different genres, right. you know, because the upside with, you know, touring, going overseas Absolutely. is that the love yes. is just there. Yes. Like, they're <laughs> avid music yes. lovers. And sometimes <laughs> you don't feel that here. Yep. You know what I mean? Because we're so used, we we consume so much here. We have so, yeah. we take it for granted the kind of music and the right. kind of content we're exposed to in this right. country. So to your point, here, sometimes our ears are deaf to, like, the vast amount of talent that right. exists. So, and, so until we hear something that's like, wait a second. Like, but, you know, we're blessed because we could say that there's so much content in one country alone. So, yeah, the fact that we're open to other places is just is exciting because it's going to broaden content creators' um, creation and the way they make their sound here in this country as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now time for a fun question. Yes. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Music made me blank. An entertainment attorney. Okay, there it is. That was easy. <laughs> An entertainment attorney. Because my love for music, if I did not do this, I would still do this, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, meaning, yeah. like, I would still be in music. I have to have music in my life. Yeah. I am not a, you know, consumer of, you know, I watch TV here and there, but more often than not, I have to have music in my life. Yeah. Like, it has to be in my life in every day, in every capacity. So music made me an entertainment attorney. I intentionally became an entertainment attorney so I can work, selfishly work with musicians <laughs> and content creators. There I said it. <laughs> so last question, what final advice do you have for aspiring artists and music professionals? Do not give up. Be intentional. I know everybody says don't give up. It sounds like, you know, a, 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 um, you know, a sticker that you put on a car. But seriously, like, don't give up. <laughs> Bet on yourself. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. All of us here have a story, right? No two stories are the same. But know that if you put enough prayer in it, put enough energy, it will come to pass. Because sometimes you're like... I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It is there. Anything worth waiting for, it takes time. So bet on yourself, put the work in, and watch it manifest itself. Cool. Well, Amy, thank you for joining us today. This has thank been super you. fun. Thank you, John <laughs> Anytime you call, I am there. You know I love you. <laughs> So to our listeners, that's a wrap. Please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me, rate us on iTunes, and follow us on social media at TuneCore. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. 
Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 